The following episode of the 9pm edict contains strong language and disturbing sexual imagery. Thank God it's the end of the year. Thursday, the 31st of December 2015. Malcolm Turnbull is the saviour of the union movement? Well, let me say to the Labor Party, the only political outcome of the adoption of this report would be a stronger union movement. A union movement which more workers were likely to join. A union movement which the members of that union movement would have more confidence in. Uh, that's, that's about as much as I can cope with on New Year's Eve. This is the 9pm Topsy Turnbull Land. Yes, indeed, it is New Year's Eve. There's just a few hours of 2015 left. And, yeah, I'm confused. Prime Minister of Australia Malcolm Turnbull, the former partner in Goldman Sachs, New York, as he will tell you himself, is now the saviour of the union movement in Australia because the Trade Union Royal Commission uh, report was released, it made all sorts of recommendations to remove corruption and the potential for corruption from trade unions. And we have the fascinating situation of a coalition prime minister saying that this will be the great reform of the union movement in Australia. We also have the the curious aspect that the uh, Royal Commissioner, Hayden, uh, seems to have been running amok in Soapy's bookshelves because the report itself has got, like, quotes from Shakespeare and such like at the beginning of each section, which is just such wankery. And and now, uh, when Parliament sits in the new year, Brandis will go in hard. Yes, the Attorney-General, Australia's favourite Attorney-General, the Honourable Senator... Uh, what's his name? George Soapy the Ankle Brandis QC will be going in hard, going hard, Soapy, with this legislation. Now, combine that with the fact that uh, Jamie Briggs, the South Australian MP, uh, was uh, was removed from the ministry because he did something inappropriate with a female public servant while in Hong Kong, and Mel Bruff. Uh, has finally stood aside while the Australian Federal Police investigate a few bits and pieces. We have those little irritants out of the way. Uh, Laura Tingle in the Financial Review says, well, that departure clears the ground for a reshuffle, a cabinet reshuffle. We also have this new legislation going in relating to trade unions, which the Labor Party will not like, and they've rejected some of it before, and this creates what in Australia is called a double dissolution trigger. That is, if the same legislation is refused by Parliament twice, and and there's a lot of fine-grained detail about how it actually works in practice, but it means, well, uh, that's not working, therefore uh, the Prime Minister can dissolve both the House of Reps and the Senate, everyone up for election. And there is the distinct feeling that Turnbull is laying the groundwork for this to happen early in the new year if he wants. What I find fascinating is that Turnbull wants to make the election about institutional corruption. 
Now, in the trade union movement, sure, uh, but if the thick of it has taught us anything, that when you have a sudden inquiry, well, um, inquiries tend to widen and uh, uncover all sorts of difficult bits and pieces. So, yes, Mr Turnbull, bring it on. Make the election about institutional corruption. Watch all the dirt files come out. Do it. Oh, yes, do it. Hello, I'm Stilgarian. Welcome to The Edict. Now, as you know, this podcast is made possible by you, the listeners, through your subscriptions and one-off contributions. And I'd very much like to thank you uh, for all of your support during the year. Uh, There's no one new to acknowledge this time, but what I must do is offer a brief apology. I had intended to wrap up all of the sponsored content for the 9pm Urgent Hardware Refresh in this episode, and yet as it approaches New Year's Eve, I'm not in a ranty mood. I'm actually in a quite reflective mood. And that, uh, plus the fact that my timelines were screwed up a bit by having my credit card or my MasterCard number breached by some cyber criminals and emptied just before Christmas, so I've been rushing around having to pay for everything in cash by taking cash to it and also having to pull back on some plans because uh, I've got to wait for the bank to retrieve my money from the cyber criminals. So... I'll wrap all that up in an episode early in the new year. I I really think it would be poor form to push it tonight. New Year's Eve is a time for reflection. So that will be coming up soon. Also, uh, I think next year my plans are to look at doing something like the Public House Forum once a month, and I've got to work out how that works in terms of the funding for this podcast. So uh, there'll be more about that in the new year. Uh, but uh, I can hear an aeroplane overhead. I'm going to uh, play the theme and uh, get on to the next segment. And now it's time for Nicholas Fryer with another look through the arch window. The idea for this column arrived fully formed when I overheard a comment by an obstreperous, oviparous acquaintance to the effect that every column ever written on the subject of giving up drugs or drinking amounts to my social life got worse, but I feel better. Oh, and also I'm a tedious shit ferret. Now it just happens that I achieved the requisite level of shit ferretry because I haven't had a drink for six months. I gave up taking illegal drugs years ago, not because of any desire to clean up my life and make every day count, but because I'll just explode if I hear the lecture about not weirding out the kids by dancing naked on the garage roof any more fucking times. In any event, while being a boring cockwomble is probably not something I can do much about at this point, the rest of that monotraumatic sigh at the state of confessional pseudo-journalism, I thought to myself, sounded like a challenge. In addition, still suggested that in this last glance through the arch window for 2015, I might like to do something appropriate to the season. Maybe a look back over the year sort of thing. The trouble with that is that the year, like so many, has largely proved to be a disappointment. Probably the highlight was the spacecraft New Horizons famous photograph, 
proving that Pluto is not so much a planet as a giant emoji, a discovery probably second in its significance to its confirmation that there's still not a single world in the solar system on which Bill Shorten has any chance of being elected Prime Minister. But nostalgia isn't the only currency at year's end. For many people, tis the season to be sozzled, which also makes it the perfect time for teetotalers to indulge in another holiday ritual, boring one's friends and relations with tedious anecdotes. So here is my wincingly honest soul-bearing on the subject of how my life changed when I booted the booze. Because things did change. My whole perception of the world around me underwent a profound alteration. It takes a while for the full effects of such a life-changing decision to make themselves plain, and different things came into clarity at different times, in some cases with a surprising suddenness. For example, for a couple of years I'd suffered from a persistent hallucination that the Prime Minister of Australia was a bizarre, Cronenberg-esque latex puppet whose grasp of English was restricted to about a dozen words and who spent most of his time talking fluent gibbon. Imagine my reaction when, one day, a few months after my last drink, he just snapped into focus, as a glib, middle-aged man, as obviously comfortable with the language as any late-night infomercial exercise machine salesman. He even looked different. I was so surprised I collapsed into the nearest chair and carefully checked my wallet. The worst thing about being sober is, of course, that you're not drunk, which you feel most acutely around people who are... I've heard non-drinkers say that drunk people are boring. It's true that people without personalities do not get any more interesting when they drink, and so it's fair enough for sober people without any personality to point this out. The main thing I notice, though, as my last hangover transitioned from caution to nostalgia, is that drunk people are just amateurs. They fart ass around, falling over fences and knocking over bins. This is bullshit. If you want to destroy the neighbour's property, you need a person who can remember where the chainsaw is and can start it without injuring themselves. It's all very well stumbling into their bins at 3am. Those fuckers are made of impact-resistant plastic. To do appropriate amounts of damage to a wheelie bin, you need accelerants, an ignition source, and a bit of forward planning. This is not a task to entrust to a person who's temporarily forgotten how to work trousers. Another area in which people on ethanol proverbially excel is effusive and subsequently embarrassing expressions of affection. Once again, the booze, while providing the impetus towards this wholly commendable goal, often robs its practitioners of the finesse required to bring the matter to a truly satisfying conclusion. Committed drunks will notoriously tell you that they love you, but even if they then fail to fall into the swimming pool, the attempt usually goes no further, because those are all the monosyllables they can remember, and they're not going to try for words with a high degree of difficulty in their condition. In contrast, sober people can be much more effective because they've retained the judgment that allows them to hit the precise note of slightly creepy over-familiarity that'll have the most entertaining effect. No man with two bottles of bubbles under his belt is going to retain the panache required to approach a male acquaintance, tell him to take his trousers off and offer to show him an amazing trick involving a litre of detergent and a live oyster. But done well, the effect can be astonishing. Well, no man at the parties I get invited to anyway. And that's enough. Enough bum jokes, dick jokes and the like for 2015. To everyone who's bothered to listen in the course of the last year, my apologies. To anyone who's smiled, my thanks. To anyone who's laughed out loud, well, seek professional help, obviously, but it would be gratifying to know that I've made at least one person's coffee come out of their nose. Happy New Year to you all.
And I tell you what, I'm going to uh, leave it at that too. Happy New Year. This is uh, an abbreviated episode of the 9pm Edict. I'm not feeling very edicty. I'm feeling very New Year's eve and introspective. So there's going to be a whole lot of changes in the new year. I have to uh, figure out the details uh, in the first couple of weeks of January because uh, if nothing else... The Australian Taxation Office has sent me an invitation to file tax returns, which is very sweet of them, and I may take them up on their offer to avoid the very nasty letters that are going to come after that if I do not. Uh, But I'll be juggling the kind of... Uh, funding for this podcast, for Corrupted Nerds, for other bits and pieces, and dealing with some of the other things on my plate. I hope your new year is very good. And uh, here we go. We can hear the theme music in its full glory. See you next year. The 9pm Edict is a Skank Media production. Sorry.